Hello, loves. Welcome back. Nice to be here with all of you. I hope you had a great week. Spring has sprung. It's beautiful outside. It's that 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 really perfect weather where it's like sunny and there's no clouds and it's just nice out and the air has no humidity right now. So it feels like a great day for American football. You know, like the kind of day you hope to be tailgating in the fall and then throwing a football around and uh, and and it's one of those kind of days. It is lovely outside. Um, and, and how grateful are we to be alive, to be experiencing and enjoying this beautiful weather? Uh, you know, sadly, these poor people in Buffalo that got shot in the supermarket, they don't get to experience this beautiful weather. It's terrible. It's a real tragedy. You know, there's these things seem to happen, I don't know, what is it, every two months or something? It's almost predictable that they're happening. Uh, and they all seem to follow this pattern of like some lunatic who's totally unhinged, just they they, they think they're going to accomplish something or do something, or I don't know what, but then they go and, and, and shoot people. Uh, and I don't know, what, what's the solution? for this why does this keep happening i'm not convinced at all that it's because we have too many guns in this country i i'm not sure i buy that logic at all uh, i'm not sure that guns are the antidote to this if you've if you've never tried carrying a gun in a holster i recommend you try it once it's a fucking pain in the ass it weighs a lot Loaded with ammo, it's that's a big chunk of metal to just carry around. Nobody wants to carry that shit around all day. So I'm not sure the antidote is to say, well, everybody should carry a gun. I mean, nobody's going to do that. It's a pain in the ass. I don't even like carrying a bag of any kind. I don't want to carry anything with me. The less, the better. So I'm not sure that's really the solution. This, this, you know, look, this guy who did this in Buffalo, it, it he certainly made his goals known. He had published this manifesto that said he was going to do this. Uh, he was, he had all these concerns and, and why he had picked this supermarket. He was worried. I had something about that. He thinks that there are black people replacing white people or something. So what he thought that shooting 10, 10 black people and just killing a bunch of old black people in the supermarket was going to change that. You have to be totally fucking demented to do that. You know, like I, I, no matter how detailed his writings are, that doesn't change the fact that he's a lunatic. He, he if this guy thought he was going to somehow make a difference in the racial composition of this country, that he would somehow change this this fear that he has about this replacement rate. He just picked a group of people and decided to fuck up their lives, and he's not the only one who does this. There are so many of these idiots. Fry them all. I, I'm not a big fan of the death penalty, but if ever there was someone who was a candidate for it, strap this guy in and fry him. You know, this 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 replacement rate theory is stupid to begin with. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. There are There are lots of minorities in this country. They will become the majority soon. It's just a fact of life. So be it. What 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 do you, what do you think that if you change 
the immigration policy, it's going to make a difference because it's going to be, you know, 52% Hispanic versus 49% Hispanic, as if that's going to make a difference. Is that bad? Who cares? Who cares? How do you think our economy is going to grow if our population is not growing? If you don't like it, have more children. That's the best thing you can do for this country. Have more children. But it's it's just terrible that there are these these lunatics. You know, there was the one in Wisconsin, uh, what was it, in December, who wrote all this racist stuff about white people, and then he rammed them in his, uh, uh, his car through a parade. I'm fascinated by the way the media responds to these events by the way the response differs depending on who the victims are. You know, that guy in in Wisconsin who was like some black nationalist, he did this and then it fucking disappeared. That was it. You never heard another word about that. CNN wrote it up as if his car went crazy and did this. They refused to say that it was this guy. These are all nut jobs. There's nut jobs on the left and there's nut jobs on the right and they're all insane. Glenn Greenwald had a a great piece that he wrote. By, by the way, Glenn Greenwald's a great author. He's a fat, fantastic journalist, has been for a long time uh, uh, and, and strongly recommend reading his stuff. But Glenn Greenwald had a great piece on, uh, on Sunday and he wrote about how strange there I- it is that there's this double standard that when one of these um lunatics who's in informed by Rachel Maddow or something Matt Maddow Matt what that she's uh, who cares she's terrible to watch but you know someone who who gets his news from Rachel Maddow and Maddow and then uh uh decides to go on a rampage and shoot uh remember he shot that that Republican congressman and a bunch of uh police officers we don't blame Rachel Maddow, Maddow for for giving this guy all sorts of biased news. And when when uh, these guys go on a, a rampage, which they do periodically, there was the one in Dallas who shot white police officers, and and Micah that was that was a guy Micah Micah Johnson who shot all these white police officers, and another one Gavin Long who did it in Louisiana. He shot six officers. These guys are black nationalists and they murdered people. And we don't say, well, blame CNN for it. We don't say blame Joy Reid, blame Nancy Pelosi. So I always find it peculiar when it's the, the opposite. That when it's one of these white assholes as was the case in Buffalo, they're like, well, blame Tucker Carlson. First of all, I'm no great fan of Tucker Carlson. I think he's pretty charismatic. I've only watched this show a few times. He's entertaining. I don't really care. I don't watch TV news programs. I don't, it's just not my, my jam really. So, so it's not like I'm here to defend him. I just think it's weird the way these things are described. When we talk about a media source, as being so dangerous that it prompts murder. 
that's when we start to get into territory where I am very uncomfortable. Should we be blaming Muslim preachers because there are Muslims who carry out acts in the name of Islam? Should we be blaming the Quran for for radicalizing people? I don't know. That seems stupid to me. Should we be blaming the Bible because there are many people who have been killed in the name of Jesus over the years? I mean, that seems nuts. You blame people who do things. I think it also, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of a misunderstanding in my perception, and I could be wrong, but it feels like a bit of a misunderstanding of the news flow. And what I mean by that is, when people are saying, this is Tucker Carlson's fault, it's sort of a, 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 a tell. It's, it shares their worldview. Because I kind of perceive, and I'm not an expert in this, but I kind of perceive that right-wing thought leadership is upstream from Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is out there regurgitating the stuff that's already in the press. Not not the press, sorry. The the, the stuff Tucker Carlson is out there regurgitating the, the ideas that are coming from the thought leaders on the right. He's interviewing the people who are already going viral because they said something interesting or have some unique idea or something to say. And I perceive that on the left, it's the reverse of that. That that the the thought leadership is coming from the media and that the the sort of man on the street is downstream from the media. That's my that's my perception of it. Now I could be wrong, but you know when 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 Tucker Carlson does some segment about why you should tan your balls, which by the way, remember that Last year, who told you first? Last year, who gave you the ESPN body issue with me on the cover sunning my my perineum? But when Tucker Carlson talks about this replacement theory or whatever sort of, uh, of bullshit he talks about, he's getting this from the thought leaders on the right, such as they are. He's not giving you new ideas that he came up with himself. He's telling you things that you've already heard and care about. But when Rachel Maddow is doing it, when Joy Reid is doing it, and they're telling you about how, you know, the 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 trans kid with the blue hair didn't get access to the bathroom and had to they are creating the interest in that topic. They are the sort of of approved source to tell you this is what you're supposed to start caring about. And on this show, what I do is I want to tell you the interesting ideas before you hear about them anywhere else. I want innovative ideas 
before they're on Tucker Carlson to be ahead of the curve. That's what you should be getting listening to this podcast, reading my Substack. So I think when when you start seeing people immediately, I mean, I, I, I it was in, in my DMs too. The moment this shooting happened, I had. I had I had people in my DMs like, well, this is Tucker Carlson's fault because he talked about the replacement theory. I I don't know. I don't think he's really inspiring anyone to believe that shit. I think people already believe it. He's just regurgitating it to them. And I think it's the opposite on the left. And and so you get this this difference where people are on the left, they're like, well, this is so-and-so's fault. I don't, I don't think the reverse happens here. I'm also very hesitant to generalize, to take a, a problem of policing. Here was some fuckwit who decided to hurt people, who thought he had the right to hurt people, and then to extrapolate from that. I prefer to narrow problems not to expand them. And and one of the points that I made in the Substack this week is that the parallel is 9-11, right? One way of looking at 9-11 is that it was a policing problem, that a few lunatics managed to slip through the net and they committed a crime. And this crime happened to be dramatic. It was devastating. It was awful. The other way of looking at 9-11 is that it was this major world problem, that it was a a geopolitical issue of good versus evil, that it was an epic battle between the West and the Islamic world. And that was vaguely the excuse for two major wars in Iraq, in Afghanistan. I mean, the connection of either of those wars to 9-11 was highly tenuous. So... That, that to me, we took a narrow, a traumatic and horrible problem, but we expanded it. We took this terrorist incident where some fucking idiots did a horrible thing. And, and I mean, really horrible. It affected the lives of tens of thousands of people. But then we turned it into two wars that killed hundreds of thousands of people and spent $2 trillion and i cannot be convinced that that response was just that it was ethical that it was justified that it was reasonable that it was even effective it was a great excuse to line the pockets of halliburton and blackwater and to keep a whole bunch of soldiers and generals in jobs and you're not going to convince me that our response was a good idea so when, when an incident like this happens, narrow the problem. It's a policing problem. It's a, it's a policing fuck-up. Don't get me wrong. It's a problem. But I don't then extrapolate this. I'm horribly upset by this incident, as I am horribly upset anytime something like this happens. Just this idea that you could be going about your day, and you're, you're doing a normal thing, and you're going to the supermarket, and then someone decides that it is their prerogative to fuck up your life. You haven't had a chance to say goodbye to your family. You could be in the prime of your life. You have kids like, 
it, it's, it's so upsetting even contemplating it right now. So fry this fucking guy. And I hope that our policing methods will improve in a way that we can decrease the probability of these incidents so we can find these fucking assholes. But don't try to tell me that this is a pattern and blame someone else. Blame this idiot. It's a horrible thing perpetrated by a horrible person. I feel like I'm heated talking about that. I should, I should pull it back a little. What should I talk about that's, that's not going to give me an aneurysm? Dirt bike people. Have you noticed all the people riding around in New York? I've seen it in other cities, too. They ride on these dirt bikes. They rev the engines. They usually go in, in gangs. It's horrible, these people. They go in these gangs, and it's so fucking loud, and it's dangerous. I've seen them surround other cars. It's menacing. Why did this become a thing? Why, why did this become a thing? This is another policing failure. How do we just, like, get these dirt bikes out there? How do we get these people? Just, I mean, these are not, these, these, these are, these are good for nothings. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. I've noticed, I've noticed that. I've noticed an, an uptick in people driving at insane speeds on the highway. They're in cars. They're going 110, weaving around. There's all sorts of shit that I feel like has gotten a little worse. These small quality of life things. People, they're all driving with their 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 high beams on. What is that about? Why do people drive with their high beams on all the time? That's very obnoxious. People speeding, going 110 on the fucking highway, weaving in and out of cars. Now, look, occasionally I go a few miles over the speed limit, though I'm not really a, a speedy driver. I prefer to be safe. And I don't want to get more speeding tickets, but I would strongly prefer to see more enforcement of these rules. I want to see more cops on the highway pulling people over and, and doing the laser and the radar and all that shit. I got a speeding ticket when I was in college. I um. I was I went to college in Pennsylvania and I was dating a woman in Dallas, Texas. And I was flying to Dallas to go visit her. And so my plan was I had an early morning flight. I was going to drive straight to the airport from college. It was like a couple hours to drive there. And I was going to drive in the middle of the night, go straight to the airport and and catch my flight. And uh I was going, I was on I-78, and I was going about 128 miles per hour. That was where my car was governed. It could not go any faster than that. I was going 128 miles an hour on I-78. I was, let's see, I was 19 years old. I'd just gotten my license. It was a horrible idea. Really stupid. And after about... I don't know, 30 miles. The road was totally open. It was very flat, very smooth, no one else around, totally straight road. After about 30 miles, I was like, I know somebody who got pulled over around here. I should slow down. And as soon as I slowed down, a cop pulled me over. And he said, I've been following you for more than 20 miles. I couldn't catch up to you. My car was governed at 120. 
He wrote me a ticket for going 120 in a 65 zone. I had to go to a, a traffic court. And when I got there, they have like a, a an attorney who says, you know, do you want to come back with your own attorney? I said, no, I just want to get this over with. They said, you know, you could try to plead this down. You could do all sorts of things if you come back to an attorney. I said, no, I just want to take my medicine. I want to get this over with. So I go in and the judge says, all right, we have a long list of cases today. Uh, the first one, uh, I want to make an example of, of somebody. This is egregious. Uh, Bressler. And then he uh, he calls me out. And he said, were you, in fact, going 120 in a 65 zone? And I said, yes. And and uh, and so anyways, we um, uh, he, he 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 said, well, since your your license is out of state. There's a limit to what I can do here, but he suspended my license in the state of New Jersey for a month. He fined me five hundred dollars. And, uh, and that was, I didn't get any points on my license. I don't know how there was no reciprocity or something, you know, in retrospect, that sure seems like a slap on the wrist at the time, 500 bucks was a, a, a big hit for me, but it felt like, you know, uh, no points. That's the, uh, I got off easy. Uh, it, it surely could have been much worse, right? I, after, <laughs> I, I have not been a speeding person since then. I think I once got a ticket going like 75 and a 65 since then. That was it. I I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a speedy driver. I've got kids. I got to be safe. Don't be an asshole and don't drive like an asshole around me with your whole car tinted out and the extra exhaust pipe on the car. What's, what's with that? Why do people drive like that with the, the, they fill their trunk with a subwoofer and the exhaust pipe, and they make a racket. It can't be good for their hearing. Is it mating season? Are you trying to attract someone else with this racket? Knock that shit off. It's not cool. Who is this appealing to? And and the people that are driving one ten, maybe it's me. Maybe you know it's the, it's the college version of me, and they're young and stupid and don't know any better. Maybe it's possible that that's the case. But why are people doing this? Is it that they are making a bad calculation about risk and about the value of their life? Are they overestimating their driving ability? Are they are they estimating that their life just isn't worth very much? So if they die, it doesn't matter. What else is uh, not going to get me too riled up here? Infant formula. We should talk about infant formula. I wrote a piece about this uh, uh, this morning, came out. You know, there's this huge shortage of infant formula in the United States right now. And um, it feels like a regulatory screw-up that this happened. So the story behind this is there's one company in the U.S. called Abbott Nutrition. Huge company. And they are the largest maker of infant formula. They make Similac. They make Alimentum. They make a whole bunch of popular brands. They're the biggest in the space. And in February, they had this problem where at their factory in Michigan, Sturgis, Michigan, they had contamination in a production line. There was something called Chronobacter Sakazaki. 
which I don't know what that is, but it sounds horrible. And it was getting into the formula and four children got sick. Two children died. Very, very bad. The FDA comes in to inspect and they issue a recall for all of the potentially contaminated formula, which makes sense. That's what they should do. Right? Don't just leave it out there. But that tightens up the supply chain. And as the regulator, you have to be aware of that supply chain. So you issue this recall. And then a couple weeks later, the FDA visits the Abbott plant in Michigan and says, shut it the fuck down. And so then you get into a situation where there's no formula being made in the U.S. Okay, fine. Let's import it from outside the country. Nope, can't do that either. The U.S. heavily restricts imports of baby formula from other countries. Of the $2 billion in formula that's sold in the U.S. every year, only 1% or 2% comes from imports. There are very high tariffs on it. There are these import restrictions. Once you import it, you got to wait 90 days before you're allowed to market it. I found this was amazing. The Customs and Border Protection was was uh, has an article on their website showing off that they seized 600 cases of infant formula that was being imported into the U.S. from Europe. Let me tell you about European formula. My friends who can afford it and who are choosing to give their children formula instead of breast milk, they all give their kids the European formula. The European brands like Liebenswort and Holly are so superior to the American shit. These American products are junk. It's corn syrup and vegetable oils, and all sorts of other chazerai, it might as well be sawdust. It might as well be Chinese formula. It's horrible. That's, that's what American formula is. But the European stuff, I, I mean, I don't know what's in it. It is super double organic, and these kids who get the, the European stuff end up looking like East German Olympians. They are strong kids. I went into um, I went into the CVS across the street from my apartment just to see, can you buy formula here? The only thing that was available was soy-based, which do not give a child soy. Are you fucking crazy? Remember how that was like a running joke on TV? Every sitcom, there'd be a joke where there's like a fat dad, and then he goes to the doctor. There's some sort of a health scare, and he goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, you got to eat healthy. And so then the, 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 the mom is like, well, you're going to eat tofu now. And the, the, the dad cringes and makes a face because, oh, it's gross. It's tofu. The reality is, first of all, tofu doesn't taste like anything. I, I, I enjoy eating it sometimes. It's not good for you, though. It was a crazy thing that this was the, 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 the gag because people believed that it was so good for you to eat tofu. It's terrible for you to load your body up with soy, whether it's from eating tofu or edamame, whatever you're doing, you are just cranking up the hormone levels in your body. You are cranking up the estrogen levels. If you're a woman, that is a surefire way to get breast cancer. It's terrible for you. And the idea that you're going to give a baby this product is really stupid. And so the FDA is blocking the good stuff from Europe because it's too healthy. It doesn't have the vegetable oils. 
all that you can sell in the U.S. is this junk, and then they shut down the supplies of the junk. And, you know, I, I, I've read... This this has always been fascinating to me. I read on on Twitter, people are like, I don't get it. Why can't you just give a baby breast milk? And the answer is, it doesn't work that way. Because as a mother, once you start giving formula, for whatever reason you give formula, once you start giving formula your supply of milk dries up. You don't just get to start breastfeeding out of the blue. If you've got a kid who's a few months old and you haven't been breastfeeding them and your supply isn't there, if there's no formula, your kid's not eating. They're going to starve. They're going to be malnourished. You know, yes, for older children, sure, you can have some substitutes and maybe an older kid can have cow's milk for a few days, maybe a little bit more solid food, but only in limited amounts. Kids need this stuff. And if you don't get it, it means catastrophe. So this idea, why don't you just breastfeed? That's really stupid. And maybe it's just ignorance. People don't know, but it's stupid. You know, in, in, in the 80s and the 90s, there was this very trendy idea called just-in-time delivery. And it was the idea that you could optimize your supply chain somehow as a company. You could optimize your supply chain in this perfect way so there is no fat. So that if you're making 40 units per hour, that you're getting delivery of exactly 40 parts for everything each hour. Nothing is sitting around for even a moment. Trim the fat. Make it lean. Make that supply chain perfect. No extra working capital. Maximize your return on, on invested capital. That was the idea, and it was taught... I mean, I learned it in high school economics. I learned it in, in college, in business school. They taught this shit like it was the gospel. But it leaves you no margin for error and things go wrong. Whether it's the Sakazaki bacteria in your formula factory, whether it's because of coronavirus, whether it's because uh, there's a fire or something happened, things go wrong and then you have chaos. And that chaos costs a whole lot more than having a cushion for a little while. And as a regulator, you have to be aware of that. As a policymaker in this country, we have to think hard about the areas where that is not acceptable. Computer chips are the obvious one. Computer chips are used in everything. And they're mostly coming from Taiwan. It's the reason why, and I've written about this extensively, it's the reason why if China invades Taiwan, we have to go fight and defend them. Because we need the chips. And, and now the U.S. government is investing many, many billions to get Intel and Taiwan Semi and others to build manufacturing plants to make chips in the U.S., but it is not easy and it's going to cost many billions of dollars. But there's no slack in that system. We saw it. In, when COVID started, all of these companies, the automakers, remember your car is filled with chips. The automakers were like, ah, nope, we're, uh, nobody's buying these anymore. So they, they canceled all their orders of chips. And then it turned out everyone wanted stuff. They all wanted brand new washing machines and cars and, and, and dishwashers. And so then they went back to Taiwan Semi and they said, hey, we need the chips. 
And Taiwan Semi was like, oh, sorry, you canceled them. Get back in line. We only have a limited amount of manufacturing capability. That's why we've had supply chain issues for the past two years. You hear about it endlessly. It's because all these companies canceled all of their orders for chips, and now they can't get chips, and they need them for everything. So it makes sense to have this industry back in the U.S. as much as possible. It, we, we need, it is strategic to this country. Another area where it makes sense to build a strategic reserve, and we have one, is petroleum. We need oil. Now, computer chips are hard because they're not fungible in the same way that oil is. Oil, we can build a reserve and use it when needed. Maybe infant formula is another area where this is something that's just so vital that we need this reserve. So yeah, I think the FDA screwed this up. I think the regulators fucked this one up. I think they should not have shut down that plant. And mothers and children are suffering now. Either because they got to buy the formula on eBay, marked up 300, 400, 500% because that's it. And they, 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 what do you do? What do you do? This is just another example of how our political leadership is failing us. It is a sign that our country is not being well managed. This is not going well. Two more things I want to cover briefly. A couple weeks ago, I said that we are in a recession. I've been talking for months about how bad our economy is doing. I told you five months ago to sell your stocks. I hope you did. I hope you listened to me when I told you. I've gotten a little bit of pushback to the, the, the question of how can we be in a recession if companies are still hiring? And the answer is jobless claims are already starting to tick up. Economic activity is starting to decline. We are in the early innings of a recession, but we are in one. And because inflation is so high, it means that the normal tools that the Fed, that Congress would use to try to fight the recession are not available. And if you want to know, so, so here's a couple premises to keep in mind. First of all, remember that the stock market usually bottoms about six months before the broader economy. So the stock market bottom means the end of the recession is six months away. We are not at the stock market bottom. You want to know when the stock market is going to bottom? Here's a, a good rule of thumb to use. Use a 12 times multiple on trough EPS for the S&P 500. What do I mean by that? Take the total earnings per share of the S&P 500. Goldman Sachs says that earnings per share for the S&P this year is going to be about $230, roughly. And the market right now is trading at about 4,000. So what's 4,000 divided by 230? I don't know. It's about 17, a little over 17. 17 is the price to earnings multiple right now for the S&P 500. And the bottom 
will be when we are at 12 times on trough earnings. Trough earnings are not $230. It's something way lower than where we are now. When estimates go down and down because things are getting worse and there's a cycle of cutting estimates and then put a 12 times multiple multiple on it. What is trough earnings? Maybe, I don't know, I'm going to uh, finger in the wind, $150. It's something much lower. So 12 times on that gets you to what, 1800 2000-ish, something in that ballpark. Maybe that's the floor for the S&P. But I mean, look out below. There's a lot more carnage to come. There's a lot more fear and panic to come. We are not at the bottom. And the Fed still has to keep raising rates. When we're in a recession, usually the Fed wants to cut rates, but they can't do that. Let's do a, a very quick primer on, on the Federal Reserve here and what they do. So in the, bank, in the United States, if you're a bank, you have something called the reserve ratio. What that means is if I go to the bank and I deposit $100, the bank has to keep 10% of my deposit on hand at the end of every day. So if I deposit $100, they can loan out $90, but they've got to have 10 bucks sitting around in case I want to take money out of the bank. So they go throughout the day, they loan out $90. Let's say they, it turns out over the course of the day, they loan out money. And at the end of the day, they're only at 9%. They're not at that 10% number. They get to 2 p.m. and they go, oh shit, we loaned out a whole bunch of money and people happen to withdraw some money today and we're only at 9%. What do they do? They have to call up another bank and they have to borrow that extra 1% so that they'll be at the 10% number. So they call up another bank and they say, hey, sh shit, guys, we, we, we were a little overextended. We got to borrow some money. And the bank says, sure, no problem. And they'll loan them money overnight to make sure they hit that 10% reserve ratio. And the interest rate that one bank pays to another for that overnight loan, that's called the federal funds rate. So when that interest rate is low, banks are more likely to loan out money because they're not as worried about having to borrow money overnight. And for much of the past several years, that interest rate, that overnight interest rate was close to or at 0%. So banks were not worried about loaning out money and they were loaning it to everyone. And you could go borrow money and not have to worry about that. Now, that interest rate is going up, which means banks are a lot more stingy. They're a lot less likely to want to loan out money because they know it's going to be expensive for them to borrow if they need to, to hit that reserve ratio. And that's what's happening right now. Interest rates are going up. The Federal Reserve has had to raise interest rates because when banks aren't when inflation is high, the way to cut inflation is by reducing the economic activity. But of course, that's what trips us into a recession. And that's what is happening right now. Banks are becoming hesitant to loan out money. And if they don't loan out money, people don't spend money. They don't borrow it. They don't spend it. They don't buy cars. They don't open new businesses. They don't open new stores. They don't buy new houses. They don't do projects. It causes people to invest less and spend less. And when businesses do that, the economy shrinks. 
That's what happens now. We are in a recession. The other thing I wanted to talk about, I told you two things. The other thing I want to talk about is the war in Ukraine. It is still going on. It's not really getting that much attention anymore, right? For a, a minute, it was like all these these idiots who wanted to put the Ukraine flag in their social media profile. It was very easy for people to get sucked into that. Like, it's the current thing. You got to do that. It's very trendy. Tim Dillon made a, a good joke about it. He said that th- this war has become boring, and if if they want him to watch, they better use the nukes. Now, I've had a bunch of listeners who have reached out to me and what they've said is, what do you think of the fact that Congress in the United States just voted to send another $40 billion to Ukraine, just as the U.S. is going into a recession, when when people are not doing so well here, when we've got this infant formula crisis and God knows what else going on here, should we be sending $40 billion? And, you know, I have mixed feelings. Let me ask a broader philosophical question. When is it appropriate to help someone else, even at a cost? To yourself? When do you have a moral obligation to help others? And what is the appropriate cost to incur to help someone else? I don't know if you want to call this a Judeo-Christian value or, or being charitable, giving tzedakah, but I think these are important values. I think they are reasonable expectations as part of the social contract. It's part of why we pay taxes in this country and there is a safety net to protect people. Now, there's a self-interest component to it. If unemployment insurance exists, people are a lot more willing to take risks and start new businesses. That's good for the economy. We want a country in which we help our neighbors so that there is more prosperity on average. There's a limit to it, but I believe that that has real value. But what about when it's another country that needs our help? What should we be willing to do? I think you could argue that sometimes it's just in the best interests of America. We don't want a dictator like Vladimir Putin running wild and taking over other countries without a fight. That's not good for America. It wouldn't be good if China could invade Taiwan on a whim. That's not good for America. But then there's a limit to it. Does it really matter if Russia ends up conquering some small territories in the eastern part of Ukraine? If we stack rank the list of geopolitical priorities, does the territorial integrity of Ukraine matter that much? And if so... What should we do about it? Should we be sacrificing American lives? Should we be sending American soldiers to hold that territory? I would say no. But we've been doing the next thing. We've been sending weapons and money and support, tactical support. And I got to give Biden credit on this. He's doing this at great cost to himself politically. He is acting like he is a a second-term president. He's acting like he is not going to be running for re-election. And so he's making decisions that have been, some of them have been politically difficult and he's sacrificing his political capital, but he's doing the right thing. And I think he's handling this so far the right way. Now, it's not perfect. We have no idea where most of these weapons are going. We're not keeping track of them. I'm not convinced that that these allies in Ukraine are great people. 
But really, there's a question of do we have an obligation to help others around the world even when there is some pain for ourselves, even when it's accelerating the inflation that is already going? And I think the answer is yes. Even if you take a, 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 the perspective that it's, it's in our self-interest to do it, so we do it for ourselves. It's not just altruism. But I think we're preventing the precedent of a Vladimir Putin type running wild. Now, it's a lot easier to help people when they are helping themselves, right? We spent $2 trillion in Afghanistan. We got jack shit for it. And as soon as we withdrew, that Afghan army, such as it was, they pre-surrendered to the Taliban. They didn't do anything. In Ukraine, at least the people are fighting for themselves. And that's a whole lot more inspiring. It's a lot easier to support them when they are fighting for themselves. Thanks again for listening. It's always great to be here with you. We'll be back with more soon. Remember, you can find us on Substack. Please do find us on Substack. LeeBressler.substack.com. You can find me on Twitter. Find me on Instagram. We'll be back with more soon.